Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and each week I have the privilege and opportunity to talk with you about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Now, this is not really a preaching program. It's more of a talk about the practical side of the work that we do. And so that's what I like to do is simply have a conversation with pastors and ministry leaders, presidents, executive directors, elders, deacons, anyone who's attempting to lead a ministry organization to provide guidance in those capacities. That's who this program is for. Well, today I want to talk about a practical aspect of personal development for you as a ministry leader. And I especially want you thinking about this as we come to the end of this year and launch into next year. Think about what I'm going to say today in a very intentional way as you make a plan of personal improvement for next year. You know, there's a catchphrase that caught my attention a number of years ago, and that phrase is, leaders are learners. Leaders are learners. And that means that we have to always be looking for ways to educate ourselves, improve ourselves, sharpen our skills, deepen our understanding, make ourselves better at what we do. Now, there are a lot of ways, a lot of ways that leaders can be learners. Uh, You can enroll in a school like the one I lead and uh, take a formal course of education. Uh, You can uh, attend seminars and conferences. Uh, You can listen to podcasts, and I hope you're at least listening to mine. You can do different kinds of things that are enriching. But there's one thing, there's one thing that has done more for me to shape my intellectual capacities, my communication skills, my understanding of people, my wisdom about situations. One thing that has also done more to help me be a more well-rounded person than anything else I've done, and that is reading. Not only are leaders learners, But leaders are readers. We have the discipline of continuing a program of personal development by reading. Now, before you click off the podcast and say, yeah, but I'm not a good reader. I don't know what to read. Uh, It's too slow. Listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't watch videos or listen to podcasts or even audio books. I'm not saying any of that. I'm not speaking against anything. But I am saying that foundational to all of it is developing a discipline for and a plan for reading. So I want to help you with that today by talking about developing a reading plan that will help you to fulfill this phrase, leaders are learners. So why should leaders read? Why do I think this is so important? Well, first of all, because reading shapes us spiritually. We know this because reading the Bible is foundational to being shaped spiritually. So the practice of reading words has a transformational effect on us. Now, the Bible, of course, is inspired and errant, infallible. It speaks to us clearly and God uses it supernaturally in our lives. I'm not suggesting that every book you read has that kind of impact. 
I'm simply pointing out that when God wanted to communicate with humankind, he did it by putting his word together for us so that we can read, understand, internalize, and be transformed. So that practice can be applied to all kinds of reading, that it shapes us spiritually. Now, again, I understand not every book is equal to the Bible, so I'm not saying it is. I'm just making the correlation that God grows us spiritually primarily by letting us encounter him through the written word of God. Therefore, reading written words must be a pretty important process of personal transformation. So why should you read? First of all, because it shapes you spiritually, and it's a primary means by which God accomplishes transformation. The second reason is because reading invigorates you intellectually. Now, there have been a lot of great minds in world history. I have not been able to have a one-on-one conversation with very many of them. Sure, I've met a couple of truly remarkable people who've actually written amazing books, a couple. But I've been able to read, and by doing so, enter into a conversation with intellectual giants by reading what they've written. So reading invigorates you intellectually. It gives you the opportunity to have fellowship with great minds. It gives you the opportunity to sit down, if you will, and have a one-on-one conversation with someone that you'll never have the opportunity to meet, who may have even lived and died in a previous generation, who maybe did something that was so world-changing that it became foundational to all knowledge, information, and education that's available today. That kind of access to intellectual development is possible through reading. Then a third reason you should read is it sharpens your communication style. In other words, it improves your wordcraft. When you read all kinds of literature, poetry, fiction, history, when you read all kinds of literature, it will shape the way you use words, and you'll get better at putting words together. Your vocabulary will expand as you see new words and see the context in which they're used and how to use them yourself. It'll even shape your cadence or understanding of how to deliver powerful words by reading and thinking about words others have written. I often tell people who are trying to learn how to preach more effectively, read more. (laughs) Because when you read really well-written, well-crafted literature, It begins to impact your mind in terms of how words and ideas are put together and how to communicate them with a rapier-like sharpness that can only come from reading and seeing how the best words craftsmen, the best wordsmiths put words together. And then finally, and don't, don't underestimate this one, reading, especially reading for fun, provides you a mental break an escape, if you will, an opportunity to go somewhere else on a deserted island or in a gunfight in the Old West or on a ship on a sea or 
somewhere like that and to find there a brain break, if you will, a place of release or escape where your mind goes to a almost another dimension and you have an opportunity to have a mental rest by going to that place. So here's four reasons why leaders should read. It'll shape you spiritually, invigorate you intellectually, sharpen your communication ability, and provide an escape, an opportunity for a brain break to take you away to another place. Now let's talk about developing a reading plan. Every year at the beginning of a year, I sketch out a an idea of what I'd like to read that year. Now, I don't put it down book by book, but I might say I want to read this many of this kind of book and this many of this kind of book and this many of this kind of book. And I try to make that plan at the beginning of a year so that as my year unfolds, I can work through my reading plan and have some semblance of direction about where I want to go. Now, I've been doing this for a long time, so I don't have to spell it out week by week or even book by book. But I do pull together some ideas of the kinds of reading I want to do each year as we go forward. As I'm developing my reading plan, here are some things I keep in mind that I would encourage you to think about as well. First of all, read widely. As a Christian uh, leader, you should read a lot of Christian material, but not only Christian material. I also read fiction, and I also read material from other backgrounds and other sources because I want to read widely. And then I want to read purposefully. I want to definitely read in the discipline that I teach and the things that I need to be working on to do my job better. But I also want to read in some other fields as well and branch out so that I can have a little more well-rounded perspective on what I'm doing and what I'm thinking each day. Third, I want to read theologically. Now, that does not necessarily mean that I'm going to read only theology books. But it means I want to read some books that have a theological foundation or a theological bent or lay out the theological foundation for how we're thinking about complex ideas. Now, this program is a program about application, and that's really the world I live in. I am an application-oriented, vocationally-oriented kind of educator and minister. But that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate the theoretical and the theological foundations that are essential for all of this vocational application I'm trying to make. So I want to choose books that have good theological content and have a theological foundation that they help me to understand the kind of work that I'm doing. And then finally, not only do I want to read widely and purposefully and theologically, but I want to read what I enjoy. You know, I'm like you. I, I was in school a long time ago, and they made me read a lot of different books And some of those books I did not enjoy. I knew I had to do it, had to make the grade, had to get the degree. I get it. I also knew that they were having me read things to broaden my perspective, introduce me to new ideas, help me to think about things I would not considered before. I get all that. But I'm at the point of life now where I want to read things that I believe I will enjoy. Now, that doesn't mean I only read things that I will agree with, but it does mean that when I'm reading a book, it's not an onerous chore. Now, here's something some of you will struggle with. Sometimes when I'm reading a book, I get a chapter or two or five into that book, and I realize this book is not that good. I thought it was good. Somebody told me it was good, but it's just not. I have no problem, if I'm not enjoying it, just putting it aside. 
Now, I couldn't do that when I was having to read because someone else was holding me accountable for that. But now I've reached a point in life where if it's not enjoyable to read or invigorating to read or insightful to read or at least interesting to read, I just chunk it, start over on something else that's more appealing. So when I'm laying out this reading plan, I want to think about, I want, about reading widely and purposefully and theologically, but I also want to think about reading what I will enjoy, what will give me insight, what will inspire me, what will seem important to me, what seems to be making a difference as I'm reading it. And if it's not, I have zero problem setting that book aside and moving on. Now, as I think about my reading plan, uh, what are some of the kinds of reading that I plan to do uh, this next year? Now, there's a lot of ways to approach this. I have a friend who had a reading plan that he established a couple of years ago, and he said that he went back to the year he was born. I think that was 1980. And he said, I'm going to read the Pulitzer Prize winning book for literature or for fiction, excuse me, every year since I was born. And he said, I believe if I do that, it's going to help me to understand the mentality of the culture in which I'm trying to minister and uh, connect. And it'll help me to see the kinds of perspective that the intellectual community is taking on life as it's expressed through fiction in various years and even generations. So he's been reading, starting, I believe, in 1980, the Pulitzer Prize-winning book for fiction each year as he's working through that list as part of his reading plan. I have zero problem with that. I think that's a very innovative and creative way to access uh, current literature and also to give some guidance. If it won the Pulitzer Prize, it's probably a book you at least can take a look at and ought to take a look at. And if you find out you're not enjoying it, as I said, move on. I have another friend who told me that a part of his reading plan was reading histories of places or of things. I said, well, give me an example. He said, oh, I just read an invigorating book called The History of the Atlantic Ocean. Well, I almost went to snooze land just hearing the title, The History of the Atlantic Ocean. Then he told me what the book was about. He said, this book is about consequential events that changed history that happened on the Atlantic Ocean. Now, that is a fascinating way to think about history over the past, say, four to 500 years. Now, starting in the 1400s, what consequential things have been documented that happened on the Atlantic Ocean? As he described that book to me, it became very much more appealing. And he said, I've found ways to identify histories of places or things like this, and in doing so, discovered a whole new way of thinking about the history of our world and what it means. So here's a couple of examples of some of my friends and some of the reading plan ideas they have. Let me give you some insight into maybe how I'm structuring my plan. First, I plan to read biographies of American presidents. Now, I've been doing this for a number of years, so this is not new for me. But every year, I try to read two or three biographies of American presidents. Why? Because I'm a president, certainly not of a, of a country, but I'm charged with the responsibility of executive leadership. And so I like to read biographies of others who've served in significant executive leadership roles just to see how they did it, how they thought about the problems they were facing, how they handled life situations that came at them. I really enjoy reading 
the biographies of American presidents, and then trying to apply some of the principles I've learned from those books into my life as a presidential leader. A second kind of reading I'll do this next year are what I call quality leadership books. I want to pick out four, five, six books that I want to read next year that are really good quality books on leadership. Now, I work at a seminary, so I'll ask our leadership faculty for some suggestions of things they're reading or things they're seeing that are worth taking a look at. That's one source. I'll also consult places like uh, uh, National Book Review and National Book Lists and uh, Bestseller Lists and things like that to see what's out there that's really popular and influential right now in the area of leadership. And I'm going to want to read those books. Now, some of these will be Christian books, some not Christian books, but I want to read those books to get a perspective on what's being said about leadership even today. Then, a third kind of reading I'll want to do next year are what I call theological or Christian biographies. Uh, Each year I try to read two or three of these where I, I, I select a book that is about someone who made a consequential difference in the Christian faith. And I read that with an idea of looking at how this person led and what they encountered and how they made decisions and then making that application, of course, to me, to my life, etc. Now, another kind of reading that I like to do is I don't necessarily want to read the history of the Atlantic Ocean. As I already said, it might be great, but I do like to read history, particularly his history as it relates to leadership decisions or leadership influence or these kinds of things. Now, I'm not recommending this book necessarily because you may not enjoy this kind of reading, but I've just completed a book. Uh, called the the man who ra- who ran Washington, and it was a biography of James Baker. And the reason I enjoyed that book was because it was about what it means to work behind the scenes to get things done. Now, that kind of history that marries itself to leadership really does appeal to me as it shapes my understanding of what it means to be a leader today. So, as I'm thinking about my reading plan, I want to read uh, some biographies of American presidents, and I want to read some quality leadership books, and I want to read some theological or biblical or, or excuse me, uh, uh, Christian biographies, and I want to read some history, but not just, just generic history. I want to read history that's connected in some way to leadership challenges or leadership issues or, or consequential epic-making decisions uh, in history. Now, you say, that sounds like a lot to me. Well, It's because I really enjoy reading and I have a very disciplined approach to reading. I've just listed out for you what, about maybe 10, 12, 15 books that I'm going to want to really focus in on and make sure that I get done next year. Uh, I'm going to read probably many more books than that, but I at least want to get started with those and be sure that I read in these different areas as the year goes by. But let me tell you one fifth area that I know I'll be reading next year, and that is I'll be reading what I call fun fiction. I'll be reading books that take my mind away from the work I do every day. As I said earlier uh, in the show, I'll be reading books that put me back in the Old West or put me on a a, a military base somewhere in the country or somewhere in the world. I'll be reading books that put me in a different era or a different time frame. I like reading fiction that does this for me, that gives me that brain break that I mentioned earlier in the show. I want my mind to be taken away somewhere else, to relax, if you will, a bit, so that I'm enjoying a story or a situation or some characters. Now, I particularly like to read books in series. 
So I'm always on the lookout for authors who've written not just one book, but who've developed a character over 8, 10, 12, 20 books, and I can read the development of that character over time and really immerse myself in those people, their circumstances, the situations they encounter, the positives and the negatives of the human condition, and see a lot of what happens as you develop people over time and try to understand what makes them tick and how they work and what that means. Again, I read fun fiction for the brain break, to take my mind away, let it relax a little bit, and then come back and get back to the serious work that God has called me to do. So that's the kind of reading plan I sketch out at the beginning of the year. I want to read some, some biographies, some leadership, some Christian biography, some history that's connected to leadership decisions or leadership issues, and then I just want to read for fun. Now, all of this comes to the last question. How can I read more? You're thinking, good grief. That's reading a book or two a month. You're describing that kind of reading level. How can I ever find time to do that? I've got a day job. I'm married. I've got a bunch of children. I've got grandchildren. I've got a lot going on in my life. How will I ever find time to read? Well, let me give you some suggestions. First, turn off your television. Just turn it off. Don't keep it playing in the background for noise or for company. Just turn off your television. And particularly, turn off this insatiable, incessant addiction to cable news. Just turn it off. You will be amazed at how much time that opens up in your schedule. Just turn it off. Here's the second one. Turn off or log off the Internet. Just log off. You do not have to stay perpetually connected, not to what's online, not to social media, not to the latest news that's going to pop up on your news feed or come through some notification platform that you're using. You don't have to do that. Just log off. Just turn it off. When you do that, once again, you'll be surprised at how much time that frees up in your schedule. Third, keep a book with you all the time. In my bag that I carry to and from work and uh, helps keep me organized, there's always the book that I'm currently reading. Always. So that if I get stuck in traffic or if I get stuck waiting on a meeting or if I'm stuck at the dentist's office or if I'm waiting for a delayed flight or wherever I am, where there's suddenly that time materializes in my day, I just reach in my bag and pull out the book. Read a chapter. That's all. But constantly having it with me helps me to not waste time and to use that time more productively by reading. Then number four, I use a library, actually two libraries, to cut the cost of my reading. I do not buy all these books I'm talking about. I use public libraries. I am two, I'm a member of two of them in our area. I have an electronic library card, and I only download ebooks from these libraries. And the libraries don't always have what I want, but most of the time they do. And so find a way to sign up for your public library ebook program and just download and read from that source, and you don't have to even buy the books. And then finally, and I'm serious about this one, may surprise you a bit, but if you have struggles with reading, consider taking a reading class. There are actually adult-oriented reading classes that train adults how to become better readers. 
It's nothing embarrassing to admit that you don't read well or you don't read rapidly. Take a reading class and learn how to do that more effectively. Well, I'm mapping out a reading plan for 2022. I hope you'll join me, not being overly ambitious and committing to reading 10 books a week or anything silly like that. But if you could lay out a plan to read 8, 10, 12, maybe 20 books next year, that would be in selected areas of importance to your development as a leader. I think it would go a long way to fulfilling that thing I said at the beginning of the show, leaders are learners. You can do it as you lead on.